chronicles of a hip-hop legend Keep it true to the culture If it's anything less, you can forget it D.D. Turner and C-Stat facilitate the convo Legends bless the show with the knowledge to kill a combo From MCs, graffiti writers, b-boys to DJs The culture lives here, so put the episode on replay DJ J. St. Paul makes it what we play It's time to get the show on the road, no further delay Welcome back to the Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend Radio Show, TCO HHL Radio. Um, listeners, uh, before we get started and before we bring our wonderful guests on and get into this discussion, I, you know, again, we we need to, uh, uh, you know, take this moment to urge you to follow us on social media. Please uh, get at us on uh, Facebook, the Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend. Uh, WordPress T-C-O-H-H-L dot WordPress dot com Bandcamp T-C-O-H-H-L dot Bandcamp dot com uh, Twitter T-C-O-H-H-L underscore radio Also on Twitter and Instagram Hip Hops H-I-P-H-O-P-S underscore Wizard W-I-Z-A-R-D So check it listeners You've had you've heard us um, have conversation before about polo right but it's but it's always been polo um clothing right obviously um if you don't know by now stats and i are both low heads right so being kids from uh brooklyn new york you know polo uh clothing played a major fixture in our lives so to that extent i know polo i know outdoorsmen I know Cookie. I know the teddy bear. I know the ski man. I know the pee wing. I know the rugby. I know all these different polo clothing styles. But I'm proud to say that our discussion this morning has nothing to do with the clothing. Maybe it, maybe we'll sort of go that way just a little bit. But we'll actually have a discussion about the actual sport of polo. And the truth is, if you think about polo and its intersection with, I mean, and I'm not talking about the clothing. I'm I'm speaking specifically about the sport of polo. There's not much of an intersection between the actual sport and hip hop culture for one, but also I think you know, and this is why this conversation is timely because it shows that we are interested and we do have involvement in other things that people generally don't think that we have an involvement or interest in. But there's not even really not not a discussed interest in the sport of polo and black culture, but it exists. It exists. I promise you it exists. But you know what? Without further ado, let me just introduce our guest. Because this is going to be a dope conversation. TCOHHL listeners, the chronicles of a hip-hop legend listeners, welcome the good homie, Kareem Rasa. What up, Kareem? What's up, man? How you doing? Everything is good, man. Everything is good. Yo, this conversation, man, is is definitely an exciting one, man. Because, like I just said in the intro, man, we don't really, you know, particularly, I think, us in the inner city, when we think about polo, 
we don't think about the sport. We don't think we just only think about the clothing. Right. But we don't know or we don't we don't talk about that sport that influenced the clothing. So I don't want to get into that stuff yet. What I want to do is first off, man, I want to formally welcome you to the Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend radio show. Man, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Um, and what I want to do is, as we we do with every guest, I like to start at the beginning. And that is being able to explore the journey from past to present. And I'm speaking about your journey specifically. Right. So I know it all started in Philadelphia, right? What was it yeah. like growing up in Philly during that, during the time? I know your, 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 your age is, you know, somewhat behind mine but i think philadelphia at that time whether you grew up whether you were born in the 70s whether you were born in the 80s whether you were born in the 90s did depending on the part of philadelphia that you grew up in there's certainly some familiarity there uh within that uh that experience so so what was it like growing up in philadelphia Right. Well, first of all, let me. I want to thank you for uh, for bringing me on the show and letting me, you know, share something that's you know been uh, it's been a huge part of my life and I've always been passionate about, and uh, you know, it ultimately changed my life. Absolutely. But you know, to to answer your question, I mean, like you said, you from you're from Brooklyn, and, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, you know, so we, we we both you know understand the whole inner city life. Yeah. Uh, but you know, growing up in Philly for me, it, it was it was it was a challenge. You okay. know, it was uh, you know you you know I saw with a lot of people you know that I eventually started hanging around and associating myself with you know only you know they only saw in movies you know or or, or only heard of. Sure. Um, you know, I you know, I grew up on the streets. Uh, you know, where everyone is you know gang banging, you know, selling drugs and and just trying to find a way out. You know, that was. Sometimes the way out was it wasn't always the way you know people were you know hoping to go out. That's right. Uh, you know, and that was always you know, as a kid growing up for me, I realized that you know I didn't want to, my way out wasn't to be a, a a statistic or or you know or you know and just end up in the wrong place. Um, and you know, so you know, I grew up with uh, you know my, I'm one of six. Uh, wow. I grew up on well, grew up on welfare. So let me ask you this, but before you continue, I don't mean to yeah. interrupt. You said you're one of six. Where do you place within that, you know, sort of timeline of ages? Uh, you know, with, with your siblings. I'm I'm in the middle. I, I okay. actually got a twin sister. So I got wow, two, I got a. Tw- I'm I'm the oldest twin. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm twin so technically, I'm the third one right there. So sure. and then uh, so I'm, I'm right there in that, in that middle part of the pack. Um, but yeah, and I was I grew up with a single mom. You know, she raised all six of us by herself. Wow, by herself. Um, and you know, it was uh, it was tough. You know, we, we grew up and we grew up fast. Yeah, you know, it absolutely. You know, the, the streets the streets teach you to grow up fast. You either grow up or you know, or you don't make it. You yeah, know? yeah. It, you know, if, if you really, if you truly want to survive, you know, you know, and I'm sure it's the same in Brooklyn or you know, or really, really inner city. You know, tough place here, and, and you know, in the states, right. You know, you you uh, you got grew up fast, so you know I I, I um I you know I left the house when I was fourteen, basically. Okay. Uh, you know, I was able to kind of you know uh, you know growing up and you know seeing I lost a bunch of friends and family members, you know, just to violence, and then you know just you know being in the streets, I realized that that wasn't for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it, it was uh, 
you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, you walk out every day, you, you learn how to, you know, to walk the streets and you know what's going on and pay attention and, you know, all that good stuff. And, you know, uh, but to be to be quite honest, you know, I wasn't built for the streets. You know, yeah. that, was, that, that was that lifestyle was not me. And I figured that out fast. But you know, le- you know what, man, let, let me I want to say this and I appreciate you for saying that that is an, an, an absolutely necessary statement that you just made because no one ever says that. Right from from where we come from, no right. one ever says I wasn't built for that, or I knew early on that this shit wasn't for me. You know what I mean? It, it was never. Okay. It seems like it, there's this sort of unwritten rule for you not to be honest and frank that despite the environment that you grew up in, you knew that this just. This shit wasn't for you. And and I'm saying that to you, you know, very thankfully, because that's the way that I feel, too. And I've said it before. Like I've said, I've said to myself, you know, growing up in East New York, Brooklyn, during the height of the crack era. Right. right. I knew as a kid coming up that the streets wasn't for me at all. And I have friends that dabbled in and out of it, but the friends that I was fortunate because the friends that I associated myself with who are still my friends today, they knew and they respected my decision and they knew that there were certain things um, that I just wasn't comfortable with. And whenever that time came, they would always say, yo, D, don't worry about it. We good. We'll catch you when we come back. You know what I mean? So right. I, I appreciate you saying that, man, because that's something that we just don't talk about enough. And I think it's important uh, because given this, uh, I mean, in this day and age, given the racial tension that exists between us and police and and then also, um, you know, based on what's occurring, there's this idea that's being perpetuated outside of our neighborhoods, um, you know, amongst people that live outside of our neighborhoods, that they always think that. Uh, perhaps based on the things that happen to us by police officers, that it's it's uh, it's appropriate action. And a lot of times it's not. You know what I mean? So it you saying that sort of reinforces this idea that just because we are from the streets don't mean that we're of the streets. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. And like you said, man, like it, 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 I, it, you and I, it's not, you know, we, we, we have a similar uh, situation or background, you know, just kind of different, you know. You know, slightly different as far as when it goes with friends. You know, all my friends, you know, they never thought, you know, I was weird or, or I was a cop out or, you know, I wasn't. Right. They realized that, you know, this, you know, I would, you know, I, I was smart enough, not necessarily they wasn't smart enough. You right. Know, but I had potential to do other things. You That's know, right. and, and they did too. You That's know, right. so, but it was like, you know, you, they, they weren't going to hold me back. You know, they were going to support me. They're going to help me, you know, whatever I need, you know, you know, you don't want So you going to, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm going to help you, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to support you because it hopes you're going to come back and you're going to give back. You know, and that, that was my, that was always my mindset. That's right. You know, is, you know, uh, you know, growing up in Philly, like everybody knows it's not easy. I mean, it's not, it's not, I'm sure it's not easy growing up in East Brooklyn or, yeah. you know, growing up in Houston or wherever, wherever it is you're from, but you know, you got I mean, I always encourage people. I, I don't care, you know, how how old you are, or what are you doing, you know, or you know, or your past, you know. You can always change, you know. And the thing is that, like, I understand people choose to do what they do, but and I can't control that. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm still gonna, you know, 
speak my mind and then lead by an example. So that's, you know, right. that's, that's always been my, and that's always been my mindset. That's right. And the key is, man, is that, you, you know, just like you said, which is very important. And I want to restate that. And that is we all have options. You know what I mean? We all right. have options to do something different. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, listeners, those that might be out there, you know, struggling and sort of in between a rock and a hard place, just know that, you know, you, you have options. Ultimately, you have options, perhaps <laughs> immediately, given your present circumstances, you might not have any options, but always right. know that there's long term options. So let me ask you this, man, because because a shift occurred in your life that I thought was very interesting, man, and and. It is somewhat is very similar. No, not not very similar, but it's somewhat similar to mine, man. And I'm I'm gonna tell you how. Um, you went, you you would eventually go to Valley, what is Valley Forge Military Academy? Yeah, yeah. Right. So check this out. When I was about twelve years old, right, my parents enrolled me in. This pro, this military, this weekend military program in Brooklyn, that was called the United States Naval Sea Cadet Corps, right? right? And I was following in my my older brother's footsteps, who had did it before me. And I guess what was happening was my parents saw, um, you know how it was shaping him to be and how he turned out, and the discipline that he was gaining from going to the program. And they was like, automatically, you're going. And again, you know, you know, my parents um, or our parents, you know, identified that there was a need during this era in the 80s, you know, with the with, you know, with with everything that was going on, that you need something to do with your time over the weekend. You right. know, absolutely. You, you do not need to be hanging around these streets on Saturday and Sunday. You need to go to this program and get some discipline. Not that we, we didn't have discipline in the home because we did, but there was certain, there was certain discipline that I gained from this military program that I, that possibly my parents would, wouldn't have been able to teach me or instill in me. And those disciplines I carry with me today as, as does my brother. So, um, tell me about your, your experience going to what, what, what would, what would cause that, to occur you going to the uh to valley forge uh M military academy so like you said i mean uh you know my, my my situation has always been unique as in you know uh you know i i was i started playing polo and, and i eventually became good at it mm -hmm. and uh you know people took notice you know and sure on my potential of you know being good at polo and then also uh you know uh you know me me having a brain to kind of go to school and do well you're right um, you know i so there was a time where you know school didn't mean anything to me you know i was i was just in i was in the streets and all i wanted to do was just you know i didn't want to go to school you know, mm. school was just kind of it was a last resort you know i you know my mom being a single mom and you know raising six of us it was never easy for her to kind of keep track of us and you know and trying to work and, and right you know, and that's just, right you know living paycheck by paycheck and you know, and so, you know, as a kid, I kind of took advantage of that as far as, you know, I never, I was always hooking in, and, you know, I was, um, you know, just, just not, just not caring about school, but. So wait, did you say, did you, did you say you was always hooking in? Yeah. Is, yeah, that, is was, that how y'all calling it in, yeah, in Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so in, in, I don't know if they still refer to, refer to this way in, in New York, 
But when I was coming up, we we called it just cutting. Oh, cut. Yeah. yeah. Say yeah. people say. Um, People say play. People say play hooky. You know, cutting. Hook, okay. You know, whatever. Like, okay. Got, yeah, it's Philly. It's yeah. The Philly. The Philly terms. Are, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's a little different. But yeah, no, I was always cutting school and you know, yeah, whatever, playing hooky and then, um, you know, and I just. But so t- for me, it was like I didn't. I didn't care about school and I wasn't. You know, it was a time I really wasn't learning anything. Sure. But you know, through I'm sure we're gonna get to the whole point of the, the program that I came up in. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the you know, that one of the main, the mission of the program and one of the main, you know, goals were, you know, academic achievement. Okay. Uh, and if you weren't doing well in school, you were not going to, uh, you weren't going to ride or participate in anything that was going on. So, so when you, uh, when, when you say ride, are you talking about uh, just, horses. okay. Yeah. So, so just, just the, um, the the process of just riding yeah, horses, yeah, right? Just, so it wasn't just, polo hadn't come into place yet. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. just the idea of just participating in, you know, not you know, yeah, being involved because the program is called work to ride. You know, right. but when you when you're if you're not doing well and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're just you're just working. There's no riding going on. No, obviously the best part everybody wants to go ride. So, right, right. You know the incentive there is to you know the, the riding part, but. So you know to get to, you know to, to not draw out the, the question, but no, no, take your time, man. It, it, it's it's yeah. uh, you know I realized that you know I'm like all right, well you know I, I need to you know I, if I want to ride or if I I need to you know I want to do well in school. But long story short, I got a full I got a full ride to this you know to Valley Forge Military Academy, which is an all boys private school. Wow. Um, basically, structure has a military structure. Um, and then also they just, they admitted females my first year in a junior college because it's a junior college as well. But, you know, I, I believe it or not, you know, when I was in, in the seventh grade and I got that offer to kind of go, you know, receive a, I think it was like $40,000 a year to go to school there. Wow. You know, education of that caliber, you know, I, I had this epiphany and I was like, this is it. Like, this is my opportunity to, to really, to, to be out, you know, to not you know, not really have to deal with, you know, what I'm dealing with in Philly every day. That's right. And then, uh, and then being able to go ride horses and play polo whenever I want and, you know, have a good facility and all these, you know, good things. And so I got that offer and I took it. So I went to Valley Forge uh, from when I was in, I started there in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played polo there for two years until the program, until the polo program was uh, taken away. Wow. Um, and, uh, I, I got a full ride and I, I went, it was, uh, you know, I was probably was, was probably the best five years of my life, and my first two years there were probably the hardest years of my life too. Wow. As far as you know, growing up, um, you know, I, you know, it, you know, I at one point, like I said, I was never about the streets, but you think, you know, growing up in the streets that you you would have some sort of you know tough side as far as not tough being you know acting a certain way, but as far as you know, kind of being resilient and not letting things get to you. Sure, you know? sure. But but when you leave that when you leave that environment that you're not used to, you know, it's 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 different. You know, I you know I, I went to school where a lot of people didn't no no one really cared about going to school. You know, it was, you know, what like again, you know, what who, who was wearing the you know the best polo stuff or who right. was telling this and that. You know, uh and I mean when I mean that I mean, you know, but the clothing and everything. Right, right. Um and you know, but you know, we when I went to military school, that all went away. You know, it uh, it, it was uh, I finally had a structure. You know, there was a lot of uh, you know my whole disciplinary, you know, just 
you know, aspect of life just changed. Uh, you know, school to me, like, I remember I used to, I would laugh at kids who, you know, who were mad when they got, you know, a B on their report card or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then that, <laughs> that was that, you know, after my first year there, because I tried so hard, but I was only getting C's. Yeah. You know, and, and that was me trying. Right. And it, and it, it was me. It, it's not because I was, you know, I wasn't smart or anything. Is that I really I never went to school, so I never really knew how to be a student. Right. You know, right. It, it was like a whole like it was a three sixty change for me on top of all the military aspect of the whole thing was just you know, it, it was like it was different. So my first couple of years I was trying really hard in school, trying to you know, and all the kids around me, you know, is you know, it, a lot of you had some kids, a decent amount of kids come from the inner city, and most of them were pretty, you know, well off kids who come from good schools already. So, right, they, they had everyone had their own problems. You know, it wasn't, and a lot of kids. I chose to go there, you know, but I had my own problems not because I was a bad person. It's just, you know, yeah, I came from a different background, and you know, I I was trying really hard at school, and I was, and I was just getting C's and D's, and and then I just remember, you know, when it finally clicked to me, and when when, you know, I, I started, you know, before I knew it, I had all B's. Mm. And then before I knew it, I had all A's. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, and then when I got a B, I was that kid, like, basically about to cry. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because I could. Uh, and, and, I'm all, and I'm a competitive person, too. Sure, sure. And they make it, you know, when I see other people, you know, or what I perceive to be doing better than me, I'm going to try one up you. you yeah. You know, it's not... It's, it's, it's just like, I think that's nature and then, you know, just kind of, you know, I've, I never feel like I've always had anything to prove to anybody, but it's always just proving things to myself because it's like, you know, that, that, that you know, that, that feeling you get of, you know, gratification of, you know, just, you know, being able to know like, like I can do it, you know, it's different. Sure. You know, and, that, and that's something that, the, you know, that Volley Forge instilled in me, you know, and, uh, you know, I, and just, you know, just going to go get what I want, you know, and it's like. You know, when you really put your mind to something, it's like it's possible. And that's that's the thing is that, you know, people, you know, a lot of people find excuses for things. And I was at, I was at that point where I was finding excuses for everything. But it, there's there's really no excuse. You know, it's like, you know, unless you die and you physically can't do something, then there's really no excuse. You know, you, you, you want to go get it. And that's something that, you know, going to school there, it was, you know, it's like. I need to go get what I want, and you know I've, I've accomplished a lot in my life so so far, and it's like it's just because I really wanted to go do it, right? And absolutely, and then it's then you you get to that mentality where it's like, why stop now? Let me keep going. I've proved that I can I can rise to the occasion and succeed at whatever I put my mind to. Man, you you're dropping a lot of jewels, man, and 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 you're giving some wisdom because you know uh, what you said. You just made another point that I'd like to just go back to. And that is, you know, about your, your maturation process in becoming a, a, a better student. Right. And that's what happens a lot. I think if we, if we think of why kids sometimes don't do well in school, it's not because they don't want to, but if you take them out of one environment and put them in another, mm-hmm. just like anything else, there's a there's a learning process, right? Yeah. You know, sure, the idea of education and, and adapting to a curriculum is fundamental. But what's going to be different is going to be the circumstances under which that curriculum is being taught, 
the the person that's delivering the or the, the group of people that are deliver that that are delivering the curriculum are going to be different, right? And then also too, just the people, the environment is going to be different. So all of those things contribute to, you know, this this sort of sense of an obstacle being placed in front of a person and and them having to get up to a comfortable place so that they're able to do well. If you think about a person, right, that makes a transition from one job to another, right? They might be doing really well at that previous job, but when they go into a new company and working for a new set of bosses and in a new environment, it's going to take some time for them to get up to speed. You know what I mean? So that, that just proves man, your, your, your maturation in, in that process of being a student. But also I think it says a lot about your character because there's a willingness, there's an obvious willingness based on, you know, what you just gave us. There's an obvious willingness for you to rise to the occasion, man. And, and, and that speaks volumes. So your time at Valley Forge Military Academy, did you do that? Because it sounds like you sort of begin that in what seems like is, is, is possibly categorically uh, middle school, junior high school. Did that, did you stay there into high school as well? Yeah. So I went, yeah, I went from eighth grade and I did five years and graduated uh, back in 2011. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I did my five years there and, you know, it was boarding. So once when school was in session, I lived there Um and then, you know, so that's kind of when I said I left my house when I was 14, I, I really left because every time, you know, whenever school was out or yeah. I had some break or summer break, I went and worked. And, you know, I didn't live at my home. I was in some different state or, you know, and soon that was over, I went right back to school. So okay. since then, I kind of just been, you know, uh, just, yeah, haven't been living with my mom. So so Valley Forge Military Academy, is that is that like upstate New York? Uh no, it's uh it's in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Oh, I don't know why I thought it, it was in New York. I'm it's about man. uh it's like thirty minutes from Philly. Okay, no the the so the so the first college you went to was oh, upstate New York. Yeah, the first. College That's what I'm thinking about. New York. Okay, yeah. so yeah, but before we get to that, you mentioned about the polo program at Valley Forge Military Academy going away, right? Right. During your time at the school, approximately what grade did they take the program away? Oh, it was uh, right as soon as I entered my sophomore year in high school. Okay. So, yeah, that's about no, wait, no, no. After yeah, yeah. So after my freshman year, so okay. Uh, I, played, I played my eighth grade year and then my ninth grade year, and then it's not my uh, my sophomore year. So shit, man, that's like three years without playing polo, right? So, I'm I'm thinking about you at that point already being. Uh, you know, developing the skill in this sport, right? So, so how'd you, I mean, during that three-year lull, was there no sort of organized polo playing for you at all? or did No, you no, so I, I still played. I, I didn't compete with my school. My school uh, gave me permission to go play with uh, Work to Ride, the program that I grew up right? Oh, okay, okay, so, right. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't absent for three years. I was still playing, but, you know, just... Because, you know, I originally, I mean, one, I came to the school for to get an education. You right, know, but, right. Uh, you know, I was I was there to play polo, and that's something I've always, you know, that's something I've been, I was, you know, I was, been, I was always passionate about. And in the school, they didn't take that away from me. You know, they allowed me to go and leave and, and travel and play, um, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, 
do I yeah do what I always love. So That's I was dope. able to I was able to continue to do that. Um, you know, That's even dope. though there wasn't polo at at school. Dope, dope. So let me ask you this, man, because because there's a perception, right? <clears throat> there's a perception about, and this it, it, you know it's an appropriate perception. The perception is is that people that play polo, right? I'm not including yourself, but I think generally and historically, the people that play polo are folks that come from well-to-do families, right? And then and then, and then there's this air of opulence that exists within the lifestyle that supports the sports, right? So is there is there any truth to that? Is there I mean for I guess to put it very simply no, no, certainly no. It, it's okay. The the whole stereo. I mean, for the most part, stereotypes are are somewhat true. I mean, that's that's you know when when people stereotype, it's because of some truth to certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is there. There is some truth to you know. Uh, there are a lot of wealthy, you know, just a lot of affluent individuals who, you know, who participate in sport and the sport can take a lot of money to play to play it at the, the the right level. Sure. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, not don't let me leave this out. There are a lot of people who are just playing polo in their backyards just because, you know, you don't need, you know, the the, the whole, you know, the, the big hats and sh- and the Vuclis Clos champagne and all that stuff. Sure. You know? That that you 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 have that scene. That is it that exists. That's a, that's a real thing, you know, but for the most part you know, there, there, there are a lot of just, you know, you know, I guess, quote unquote, poor polo players, yeah. you know, people who just, you know, who have a, a nine to five job Monday through Friday and they go and ride and play, you know, uh, and on the weekend, it's just, you know, just sort of something to do as a hobby. Sure. Um, you know, so that, and, and that's, and it's sad, you know, it's like, because the, the thing, what makes it difficult for, of you know, a lot of people perceiving that because it's like a lot of individuals feel that they they're kind of you know they're left out or it's just not my scene. But at the end of the day, it, really the polo community, everybody's welcome. You know, you mm. you never, regardless of where you come from, your background, you know, how much money you have, you're always going to be welcome. You know, fortunately, I mean, unfortunately, or whatever you want to say, you know, it's like there are a, a you know a decent amount of well off people because the sport is at the end of the day it, it's a huge cost yeah. it takes a lot of money to play the game sure. at the right at the right level at the right you know, level if if you want to go compete on the highest level possible you know then that's that costs a lot of money sure sure um, but can you go play polo for you know some you know cheap money or whatever or just play it on a cheap yeah you can you know you can go find it you know it, it you You'll 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 pay for what you you'll get what you pay for. Gotcha. You know, depending gotcha. on it, all depends on what, what you're trying to do. Gotcha. It's like <laughs> it's like some it's like somebody that want to play baseball, right? Either you want to play real baseball or you want to play wiffle ball. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So I mean, it's just yeah, it, that's it's kind of what it's like. You know, essentially, yeah. It's like if you know if you want to go play with the best players in the world, that's going to cost you a couple dollars. You right. Know? Right. But right. If you want to go, you know. Just go play with your friends in your backyard, and you go do that. You know, it's it's not, it's it's a thing. You know, it's uh, but yeah, I don't I don't want to lie to you and say you know there's not a lot of rich people, and you know 
you don't see people with you know big hats and and uh, you know and a glass of food in their hand. Yeah, you know, that that is that's real. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. This. No doubt. So so let me ask you this, but because I want to I want to jump forward, right? Um, and, and get to you know your your college years and and then and then present. But before we do that, man, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to it, it you know if you're aware of this what's the history of the sport where did where did it start did it is it it's not an american thing i mean nothing really is american except right. for probably basketball and baseball but outside of um that like like i mean where, where did the, the 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 sport where was it first played if you if you know Right. Well, no. The, well, the game is the game is actually like really, really old, though. You know, it's, yeah. it's not. Um, it, it's not an American thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game, you know, um, it, it started back in you know uh, in, in South Central Asia and like Persia, and then okay you know, over in India. Uh, that's kind of where the game began. And then uh, at one point, um, you. I, as far as my knowledge, you know, goes it, you know, then you had the British who, you know, colonized some of those places right, and right. over there. And then they kind of brought the game back to, uh, to, uh, to England. And, um, and then kind of, then at some point the game came over here to the States and, and transitioned, you know, from place to place. And, um, and so that's kind of where that's, that, that, that's kind of the, the, the backstory of the game a little bit. Okay. And, and you know, and then eventually the game, we you know, uh, eventually was just dominated by the Argentinians. Nice. So, so let me let me ask you this too. Um, what 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 are the functions of the game? Because I, as a person that have ne- has never played polo before, I mean, from what I see, and as I imagine, a lot of people that that you know, most people will never get a chance to play. Uh, polo right so from my perspective i see um you know a person uh you know on a horse with um with i mean you know for lack of a better term a bat that swings to hit a a ball less on the ground right but i know that it's much more to that so can you explain just the the fundamentals of the game how does it work are there teams and you know what what are the tools called right so the the game requires. I'll, I'll start there. So you have you have a you have grass polo and you have arena polo. Okay. So predominantly, everyone plays on the grass, and that's that's kind of that's where it's done. But a a grass field is nine football fields basically. So it's, it's like three hundred by one sixty. Shit! Wait, hold on a second, yo. Did you say nine football fields? Yeah, so you can place nine football fields on the on a polo field. That's how Shit. <laughs> okay. All right. That gives us some context on how big the the playing yeah. field is. Okay. That's how big the playing field is. So in the grass, you have four four versus four. Um, you know, and polo's on polo's the one like sport where females and males can play together. Wow. Okay. But you never really. Uh, sometimes you'll we can get into that, but. You do have females and males who kind of who who play together depending on what what's going on, um, but yeah, four versus four, and it requires about at the highest level, each person to bring ten to twelve horses to a game. Okay, so that's like so yeah, it's for one person, right? Um, because because you have to because I mean I imagine nine you know what's the equivalent of nine football fields? That's a lot of running for a horse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. That's exactly. So yeah, you're you're understanding it right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a lot. Of, so I mean, you can get away. You can get away with like eight, you want. You, you don't need to bring twelve, but some people do. But you can get away with eight horses. It mm-hmm. all depends on your situation. Sure. Um, but uh, so it's four horses, four, um, and then the, we have what you would call periods or quarters, whatever. They're chuckers. So it's and there's six, and each one's seven seven minutes long. Okay. Um, and then uh, so the object of the game is to score between two goalposts. There are you know two goals kind of set up. You have positions. Um, anyone, it's kind of the most like the most basic analogy I can kind of give you is like hockey on horse on horseback. You gotcha. Know? So, so, so you, of, you you you, you said I'm sorry. You said chuckers, which are equivalent to periods within the game. Right. There's there's six of those, and each one is seven minutes long. Right. Right. So yeah. we're we're talking about a game uh, that is essentially forty two minutes long. Then. A playing time. A playing time. Right. Right. Because right. because there could be file files and things exactly. like that that can cause yeah. the so game. A game, to go can, a game okay. can last like an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it, like I said, exactly. Uh, it's it's uh, you know forty two minutes of playing time okay. of live uh, action. Um. But uh, yeah, so so you have that, and you have you have four and four. Um, objective, so you have guys who, can, who play their positions. You kind of have your forward, you know, your your midfielder, mm-hmm. you, you know, kind of quarterback of the team who's controlling and kind of de- a defender and stuff. So you have those positions, you know. Um, but anyone can score, and you could be all over the field. You know, it all depends on you know how you line your team up and, and whatnot. Sure. Um, and then you have two you have two mounted officials two people riding on a horse as well okay um and then i want to go back to and correct you for, before i forget yeah yeah you said you call it you know a bat you don't understand it's a polo mallet yeah 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 and yeah. I, that's why i was saying for lack of a better term yeah, yeah, because yeah. i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. i know you did yeah, yeah so that's why i wanted to go yeah so it's a mallet actually okay use. and the mallet it, it's it's uh it's it's um it's a type of uh, cane that that comes from some uh, certain Asian countries. Okay. Where it's very, it's it, it, it can break. You know, it's it's sort of like bamboo, but it's not bamboo because bamboo will snap in half. Sure. It's a it's a contact sport, so you're able to check each other essentially, but you kind of have to do it in a, in a certain way. We kind of call it a ride off, where horses are side to side and yeah. you come in and move the other person over. But the 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 the, the rules of the game are actually very. They're simple, mm-hmm. but it can be complicated as far as you know trying to understand it. So uh, I'll give you the most basic example, the most basic example that I can give you of trying to understand the rules of the game. Sure. And so you, so there's, there's a ball, right? And the ball is probably the grass ball is probably just a little bigger than the baseball. Okay. Uh, and it's made out of either depending on where you, what country you're playing in. But here in the states, it's it's very hard plastic. Okay. And it's like you don't want to get hit by it because the the right person hits it, it can go up, to, you know, hundreds of miles per hour. I mean, up, upper hundreds, and it hurts. So sounds like it, a lacrosse ball. Then. Yeah, it's not rubber, but it's plat. Yeah, it it can go depending on if the mallet strikes it right or depending on who hits it. Because think about it, if you, if you get a good hit. Uh, a decent player can hit the ball 150 yards. Wow. Okay. So that that's just with one strike. So yeah. that kind of gives you an idea of how how powerful or how much it will hurt if you got hit with it. And I guess if you if you if you factor in, you have a horse a a a, a horse that's running towards that ball yeah. upwards of 
you know, yeah, maybe so 40 if you do miles the science per hour. Behind yeah. That, then, yeah. Yeah. If you understand that, then it can, yeah, it can, it can get, it, it can hurt. Um, what I was saying. So you have that ball. Each player has a right to that ball. Sure. So the most common foul in polo is a, is the, is, is a, a crossing of the line. And I'm going to explain that. Sure. So whenever the ball is struck, an invisible line is created. It's like an infinite line that goes back and forth. And so imagine you imagine you driving down a four lane highway, right? Mm-hmm. And you have uh, when you when you switch lanes, you're going to turn on your signal, or you're going to warn somebody that you, you're getting ready to switch lanes. You can't just cross that lane because you can cause an accident or you can get hurt or somebody else. Right. So basically, when you when you're when you're riding. It, I'm trying to make it make sense here. If you have, you know, two players who are going at the ball, sure. you know, say you hit the ball straight, you and two players are running down the field. Mm-hmm. The um, each player that, that there's a line that there's a line on the left, there's a line, an invisible line on the left, and an invisible line on the right. Okay, each person has a right to that ball. Gotcha. So there. There, so you have line infractions, and basically, the the rules are created for the horse's safety and then the player's safety second. Right, because you don't want to so, be running into each other. Right, so yeah. you're allowed to run into each other, but you can only do it a certain way. You okay, know, you can't. So you can't come in at an angle or like, for lack of better terms, you know, T, you know, create a T or T bone somebody and right. blindside them. Gotcha. Got you, you know. Okay. So each player has a right to that ball, and then when so. There are, there are a few things you can do. You know, you can either, you know, hook the other person's stick or you can, you know, you and the other person can make contact side by side and bump each other off the line and then you get possession of the ball. But when you're trying to go after that ball, you have to make sure that you're not you're not putting the person in, uh, or the horse, you know, in any danger or the other person in any danger. And then kind of so those line infractions when you're crossing the line and it gets comp. You know, you kind of got to see it, and it's, it takes time to play because you'll hear a whistle, and you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right, you right. Know, there's a lot of things going on. but So that's basically like the most – and I hope I kind of give someone a visual, you know, uh, a visual of what I'm talking about No, I think, I think you have, man, and I think you did it wonderfully because the truth is is that a lot of people – this is one of those sports, right? And I think a lot – it's that way because it's not one that's as, as uh, accessible in terms of – um, broadcasting as you would have like football, baseball, basketball, even soccer for that matter, you know, for that right. matter. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So exposure for people is extremely limited unless they wanted to go out and pursue it, it you, yeah. you know, as a player or as a spectator. So you don't really get to know the rules of this sport. It's almost like, um, um cricket too right so if i was in uh india right or if i was in you know um you know s- certain um you know part, some other countries where cricket is prominent some place maybe in the middle east then i wouldn't i don't have to be a cricket player to know how cricket is played right you know what i mean because there's i, I can it's accessible to me it's the, it's sort of the same with with polo you know what i mean so with that said, man, you did a wonderful job at, at, in explaining it and giving us some context, man. Um, and and it's you, you know it definitely sounds like man that you you I mean over these years that you've been playing, you have a great grasp in it and you're you're forced to be reckoned with, man. So, um, 
what I wanted to 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 ask you about is after your time at at the you know after you graduated from the you know Valley Forge Military Academy. Well, you know what? No, let me ask you this, man. What was the structure like at Valley Forge Military Academy? Because if if you know, like I told you, man, I I went through a similar program, but it wasn't a full time one. And I tell you, man, as I was getting fully immersed into the culture that this experience um, was offering me, I started getting into all types of movies like Taps, Toy Soldiers, and, you know, the, these other type of movies that that um, painted the visual of military school life or military school existence. So what was that culture like for you? Right. Funny thing, funny fact before I go on and share that with you, Taps was actually filmed at Valley Forge. Really? Check yeah, that yeah. out. See? Yeah. <laughs> so the whole movie is funny because it's part of our uh, like initiation or our uh, early training right. that we watched Taps. And I and, and even funnier thing is I lived in the building or right near the room that was like blown up out of the window. I think it was Tom Cruise. Yeah, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I lived in the same building right there. It was called uh, Wheeler Hall, but... I think that it was like Bunker Hill Academy, whatever they call it in tabs. But right, right. Uh, I just thought that was a funny fact that I'll share with you. No, no, that's but, dope. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, so the structure, I mean, it, that's, gosh. So I'll get, I'm sure a quick thing. So the first six weeks of my my uh, time at Valley Forge, um, we spent it, uh, and it's a, they call it a plebe system. So basically what they do is they uh, essentially strip you from all your like your rights. And I mean, not really, but it's like they, you know, you you lose your cell phone, you lose your laptop. Right. You you lose. You got no connection with the outside world, but through letters. And that's it. Yeah. You know, and that's for six weeks. And we wake up at, you know, four in the morning. We go on this crazy, you know, PT runs. Yeah. That's your and, boot camp phase. Yes, yeah, boot camp. Basically, yeah, right. that's what it is. We had a boot camp for six weeks, right? And like, I don't, I don't think I cried <laughs> that much in a long time. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I'm telling you, like, you know, you, yeah, the, the, the streets, the streets. You think people think you know they hard and all this other stuff. Like, go do a real boot camp, you know, Yo. and then then you see what you're really about. Yo, you know? people, people no. don't realize, man. They don't realize. Like, I my my friends used to because it, during holiday seasons and the times that we had boot camp I would be gone for like a week or an entire weekend or things like that man and I would be so happy to get back to the hood because by comparison that was light work you know what I mean but whenever when I whenever we would have these trips that would require me to be away you know sort of in the program for a week man we getting up at four o'clock in the morning or sort of within our dorm if we weren't you know, sleeping or messing around and we're getting up at three in the morning doing PT and it just wasn't a fun experience. <laughs> it wasn't a fun experience, man. It just wasn't. So by comparison, you get back to the hood, you like, man, this, this shit here is a cakewalk, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, so, you know, so we went, I went through that period and then, so the structure, it's like, a, so it's, it's a boarding school with a military structure. And right. so we had a regimented schedule pretty much, you know, so, we woke up, we were up at 5.45, you know, we were dressed and, and all ready to go by 6 o'clock. Right. And we went down, we had breakfast, and then so we literally had a schedule from from 5.45 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night, every day. 
every day, seven days a week, there was a schedule. And like, and if you didn't know what was on the schedule, it was always posted somewhere. I mean, even if you were an athlete, you were, you were, you know, uh, exempt, you know, or, or pardoned from certain things and kind of let you go do whatever you needed to do. Right. Um, but there was, it was, a, there, there was a schedule. You had a class schedule. If you weren't in class, they were hunting you down, finding you. And then when you got, and then when you were caught, that's, that's the last thing you want because, you know, if you, you were skipping class and you were caught skipping class, then life was hell for you. That's right. That's um, right. And so, you know, there, there was this, there was, again, there was just a daily schedule and I followed it. And it, for me, it was hard at first, you know, kind of just, you know, following the schedule. And then also what I don't want to leave out is, so the school is set up so that it's ran by the cadets. Sure. The students. So each person has, not each person, most People, after your first year, you get a leadership, you typically get some type of leadership position. Uh, right. And then so the school is divided into like units or companies, you know, kind of like any other army or That's any right. base you're kind of on. Right. And then you have, you know, you have a, a commanding officer, executive officer, and you, and then so basically the, the kids are running the school and then it's, and then you have um, adult supervision, all the, the kind of faculty and staff members overseeing everything. Right. But essentially they want, they they want the students to make all the decisions and do everything that needs to be done. That's right. Uh, and then you know, so eventually after my first, I think my after my second year, I I fell into a leadership role, nice. and I kind of start you know, um, and then by the time I graduated, um, you know, I was uh, the executive officer of my company, so nice. uh, basically mm-hmm. on top running, uh, helping the commanding officer run things, um, and and that was that was my job, uh, and. You know, it, it, I mean, to be quite honest, like, you know, I didn't even know I even had that leadership ability, you know, until it was, it was, you know, they, you know, they wanted me to become a leader. And then, uh, you know, I guess it was just something I was good at. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so that, that, that structure there, the, the idea is to prepare you for the world, the real world and, and to develop a, a, a good leader um, and, you know, and just give you some structure because, you know, it, it, to be honest, it, it translated a lot into into the playing field when I was playing polo or when I was right. playing some other sport, you know. That's right. You start doing things and you realize, oh, damn, like, you know, <laughs> look back, you know, I learned that in Valley Forge. That's right. You know, That's right. Yeah, it was good. That's right. Like, I was, uh, you know, um, it's interesting, man, to, you know, to your point, I have um, discussions with, with my wife sometimes and, and now, and I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the, on the show before, but my wife, will will you know regularly <laughs> get at me about why it takes me so long to iron right right because it's it's just a it's a very for me it's a process that I'm very meticulous at right okay. creases have to be where they're supposed to be you know what <laughs> I mean you got to have the right right amount of starch I can't use heavy starch on some things I got to use light starch and then on other things I got to use heavy starch and she it, it's, <laughs> she'll make fun of me because she's like you you know you're the only man that I know that will spend this time this amount of time ironing right and it's right. not just for me um, it's for our children as well so I tell her I'm like this is a result of me being in the sea cadets for so long because every Saturday or every Sunday Whenever that weekend drill came up, we had inspection. And part of that inspection was to make sure that your uniform was in order. And it, it just it, it wasn't that it just had to be pressed. Creases had to be where they're supposed to be. If your crease needed to be inverted, 
you know, on on a particular uniform, you needed to make sure the crease was inverted. It needed to be placed. So so that sort of level of of care and and being meticulous came as a result of the disciplines gained during that program. So I, I absolutely understand, man. I, I get you 110 percent. So right, right. so after high school, we're on to uh, college in Dryden, up in Dryden, New York. Yeah. Right. Was there was there any polo programs at that school? I mean, I know you were only there for a year, but were there any polo programs at that school? Well, so uh, essentially I, I went to to, uh, to Dryden because um, my I wanted to I was uh, re- recruited, you know, you know, for yeah, by a bunch of, uh, you know, colleges and stuff. And and uh and I Cornell was one of the schools that I, that was looking at me to to come play polo there and uh, HBCU. Yeah, uh, no Cornell is in. Uh, oh, oh, you said Cornell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Cornell University. Yeah, so that which is up in Ithaca, New York, which is um you know uh, just whatever twenty minutes from Dryden. Yeah, but it was so but, I went to community college there as to, to to go through a feeder program and and then transfer to uh, Cornell and go play polo there. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm I'm mistaken. I thought I always thought so. Cornell's not a historically black college or university. No, no, it's uh, it's an Ivy League school. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's it's an Ivy League school. It's, okay, uh, yeah, it's a good school. Um, very tough school to get into. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I I, I went there in hopes of the transfer to hopes to transfer to Cornell. Um, the following year, and that didn't work out. Okay. Um, so I ended up. Uh, leaving um drive new york and then i went to uh, colorado state university and that's where i transferred there and then i spent you know uh, four years in school there um and so but yeah but driving it was good it was a good experience uh it was uh you know i i i realized i didn't want to live in upstate new york that didn't take you know that wasn't <laughs> that didn't take long at all for me to figure out and, you know i moved to colorado and that's probably another you know great decision other than going to like military school that I mean yeah so so let me ask you this because I I know I'm not familiar with Dryden where where is Dryden geographically um so it's about it's a good five hours from uh from the city okay so oh, the, yeah. is it going so it, it's like near uh so you know where Binghamton, Binghamton yes is? yes yeah so it's a 45 minutes from Binghamton okay okay yeah, yeah. So yeah, not too far from there. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, okay. So so you're there for a year, and then you you transfer to Colorado State University. Colorado State University, a, a um, also a, a polo program. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, yeah, very good polo, polo program. Um, I transferred there um, right after. So 2012 was 2012 was my first year there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I a bunch of kids that I played against in high school. Um, I knew that they were there and, you know, they had a really good team and, and, uh, they, they were just missing one piece, you know, and I, I knew that, uh, you know, cause they, they, they got players in and some players moved around and transferred and, uh, and some of the guys I knew that were there already. And I was, you know, it was, it, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a smart move on my part as far as like, we, I have a chance to go win with these dudes. So let me go here. And then I wanted to be far away from home too. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I grew up, you know, there's some, on the East Coast, there's really no need for me to be here. I want to go see other things, meet other people, sure. you know, it's kind of, you know, broaden my horizon and, and, you know, and, 
and uh, you know, just expand my network essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I. And, and so I, uh, I went out there in 2012, and uh, I joined up with uh, two other guys out there uh, that were already um, playing. We had a, quite a few guys out there, but you know, these two they were the two main guys that were playing. And so in the arena, there's there's it's three versus three, and and so collegiate polo is played inside, not on the grass. Oh, so okay, okay. I need to share too, so we're playing inside, um, and then so instead of four on four, it's three versus three. Okay. Uh, so I went there and played with those dudes my first year, and then uh, we made it. We, we made it to the national finals, and then we fell short in the national finals. So, you know, um, I basically I redshirted my my uh, my uh, my freshman year. I didn't play at all. So, so that was based. That was basically my first year of competing in, in uh, collegiate polo, and uh, and, um, and it, it was an amazing year. You know, we fell short, but you know, it was it was it was a good start to my college career. Which you know, after that, you know, there was even more great things that happen. Yeah. See, I, I also imagine that this sport, I guess all, you know, particularly at the college level being, <clears throat> excuse me, although, you know, I'm sure that there's a number of polo programs across the country, right. Um, you know, at, at, uh, at universities, but I imagine that, even though you're in different schools and there's different, you know, obviously different teams for different schools and in different states, it, it's a, it's a close knit community. It's, exactly. You, you hit that on the nail. Like, you know, it's, uh, it, it's like most sports, like, you know, one, I mean, polo is not as big as basketball. Right. Or, right. Or but you, maybe some of the listeners who, you know, who can't relate to polo, but like, all the AAU basketball guys, they all somehow start playing against each other, you know, when they're little and then right. you know, they they all know each other. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you start getting into the higher ranks of, you know, the, of what you're doing, you know, where it's, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, on a high school level is so big, you don't know that many people, but then you start getting better and then you, that community is kind of, kind of shrinks a little, but I mean, with polo, you know, what it's, it's not, it's not that, it's not as big as many of the other sports that you know that are played in college and stuff, but um, but like again, everyone it, it, the community is small, so everyone knows you know who who you know who are the best players, who has the best teams, you know what, what's going on, like you know, and it's it's really competitive, so you know it's like it, it's uh, it's important for people to kind of know you know everyone, and then afterwards too, it, there's a, there's a lot of other you know good opportunities that are, that are involved with polo because there's a lot of successful people, you know, that, that are playing a sport and, you know, so it's, it, it's kind of, it's kind of good to kind of, you know, uh, you know, be in a community like that where you can, you know, create a network that's, that's you right. know, not like any other network really that you can create anywhere else. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And I was, I was just thinking about that too, man. I'm, I'm thinking about what the, you know, what the, you know, the, those relationships, what they do for you long term. you know what I mean? Because, because the community is so close knit, you know, you, you stand to have these relationships and the benefit of them for a long time, even after you're, you're, you're done with college. So I'm now, I guess now what I'm thinking about is when you, when you're done with college, right. What, what happens then? Are there professional, um, you know, professional polo teams in the country? Yeah, so like you so so professional polo it's very it's, it's interesting how it works, you know. It's uh, 
again, so I think I, I don't know when I, it's a hobby for most people. Okay. Um, it's um, the the sport itself is just it's a huge cost. Yeah. It, it's a hobby, and and it's you know very few people. <laughs> I mean, there are people, there are professionals, and there are people who make money from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not you don't have a draft, you know, you don't have anything like <laughs> right, where right, you, where you're going in to play. So uh, for a professional football player, so I, I was break, break down the kind of little dynamics of the of the game and the teams and how that kind of works. So I'll start at the highest level. You 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 know um, you have a sponsor, or they call them patrons, or whatever, uh, who who sponsors the team. Essentially, they're paying all the bills. Okay, right, um, right. You know, and what you do as a sponsor, you're you're considered you're an amateur, um, and you're playing with professionals. So you hire, you know, you. So let's say if you want to go down to Florida and, and then go play in the U.S. Open, you know, um, in in the spring or whatever it is, uh, or during the Florida. So, so basically, Florida has a this the winter season or the winter time here in the states. Everyone's down in Florida playing. That's where all the competitive polo is going on down in Wellington, yeah, and Palm Beach. Um, but you have guys who who will hire a professional, someone who's good at it. Um, and you know, they'll say, Hey, I want you to come play for me, you know, this season, or want you to come play for me for the next, you know, year or two years, whatever it is, kind of deal you kind of work out with them. Sure. And essentially, so yeah, the, the sponsor who is, who just in, who loves a game and wants to go play, um, they'll hire, you know, a, you know, two or three guys and say, Hey, come play with me. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'll give you whatever, depending on, you know, your situation, you know, Five hundred thousand or a million dollars for six months or something like wow. that. So okay. come come play with me. Wow. Um, and then you, you're competing for to go to go win the U.S. Open. But you know, as far as you know, a professional career in polo, it's very it's it's very hard to make it. As far as trying to, because it involves a, a lot of you know the, the logistics behind it. As far as you need, you know, you you have to constantly have you know at, at least like forty horses. Um, and you're, you know, basically the money that you, you make as a professional, you put all that money back into your horses. Right. Because the horses are, what a lot of people don't understand are, they're 90, they're like 90% of the game. Yeah, they, it, they it, are the, the, the success they are of the, the game. game yeah. to, because there's a point where you become good enough to hit the ball and do whatever you need to do with the ball. But if you don't have that horse to get you to the next level or to, to keep you competitive, then you're useless. Yeah. So it's always about investing your money back into your horses and trying to constantly get the best horses because a lot of people think like, you know, it, people are kind of ignorant to the game or don't understand. You, got, you have some people saying like, oh, you know, you don't do anything. You know, it's the horse that are doing all the work. Or one, as an athlete on top of it, you're, you're tired too. Yeah, but that's also, right. But also when you're, when you're out there, uh, you know, playing, you, you know, the horses are the horses. They have schedules while they get up. You know, or they're out on the track right. at you know five thirty and training six o'clock yeah. in the morning. Training, you know, getting their endurance, and you know they have you know trainers coming and looking at you know their their legs and and uh, you know they're 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 on crazy diets. And, yeah, you know, it's all there's a there's a whole there's so much going into it that a lot of people don't know, and you spend more time. You know, working on your horses and being at the barn and making sure everything's right, then you do playing. You know, it's because that's it, it, like an important part of the game. Like, it's all about your horses. Um, and then, so you have guys who are, who, who make, I'm, I'm kind of getting away from a little bit, but you have guys who just, you know, who kind of have the, the disposable income to want to 
hire people and, and go play polo. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's kind of how it works. So, you know, coming up as a young professional or whatever, you're just constantly trying to find, you know, trying to find gigs and, you know, who, you know, trying to just find tournaments around the country. And the sport follows warm weather, too. So every polo player, every polo player is nomadic. Everyone's just kind of following, you know, where the, the, the warm weather is going. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, as a professional, you know, it, you, you need to have the horses and then, you you know, and, and then so you, you might make, you know, $500,000 depending on what you, you know, where you're playing and who you're playing for for six months or something like that. But that's that's really that's not it's not a lot of money. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you, you you there are horses that are selling for one hundred and fifty thousand. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and, and I guess also, too, if you're talking about, um, you know, making that money. The assumption is, I guess, from my perspective, the assumption is, is that if 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 somebody is paying you to, you know, if if they're paying you, then you're coming along with with your own horses. You're coming along with your own with your own process. But obviously, there's a lot that goes into you, you know, um, making sure your horses are ready. Right. Because people are not going to pay you if they didn't think that you were capable at a at, at achieving at a high level you know what exactly I mean? exactly no yeah it, it's uh yeah it, it's all about you know because you 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 have to hire a lot of workers you know a lot, a lot of help people were just taking care of your horses uh you know um you know, the vet bills the barn the, the feed horses aren't cheap you know so you, it, it's like it, you, you try to cover your costs and then also you know pocket some money yeah, um, but it's it's very it's very challenging to do that, um, right? You know, it, but it's it's possible. Um, it's just being really good at what you do and constantly, you know, having a job. You know, and, it, and if the economy is going well and people got a lot of money to spend on something else, then you got a job. Sure. Um, but if not, you know, the first thing that someone's gonna probably cut, you know, is what they do for fun and you know and unfortunately it's a it's a job for you but it's fun for them yeah you know or it's a hobby for them then you kind of you kind of sol right Um, so yeah it's it's a tough you know it's a a tough sport so being a professional sport for being a professional in the sport it's it can be nice when when uh when things are going well and you have a bunch of jobs and stuff lined up and you know and you got the horses to do everything that you need to do so so you you mentioned um that polo uh, players, right, yeah. are, are nomadic. So, uh, are, are there ever any opportunities for state-based players to venture to other countries and play? Oh yeah, certainly. So, let me go back. So, right now, the, the sport is predominantly dominated by our Argentinians. So, in Argentina, yeah. it's like in the the best polo in the world is played in Argentina right now, and all the top like 10 players in the world right now all from like Argentina. Okay. Um, just to give you an idea of it. So they have their Argentine, they have the, uh, the Argentine triple crown, which is, you know, they have like the Hurlingham open and then the Tortugas open and then the, the, and then the Argentine open. Those are like the three biggest tournaments in the world that everyone like. Okay. That, that's, that's, those are the three tournaments that you want to play in as a polo player. I mean, you have, you have the other tournaments going on, but like, when you when you reach that level of polo, then you know that's when you know you really made it. Sure, sure. Um, but to answer your question, is so you have uh, a lot of those guys are there. So during whatever it's like September until November, December or something, those guys are in Argentina playing 
polo there. Uh, and then pretty much it, it's, it's all over the world, depending on the seasons, you know, depending on where you, where you are in the world. Um, you know, right now there's the polo is going on in England. You know, they, this is this is their prime season going on. And then here in the States, too. So you got, you know, up in the Hamptons going on. Right. That's right. Uh, you know, um, you got people in Greenwich, Connecticut, you uh, Santa Barbara, California. Uh, so it all depends on you don't want it to be too hot and then it can't be too cold either. So, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of there's, there's a bunch of polo going on in the States now that it's summer. But when the winter time comes, it's only in the warm places in the states, and that's basically like Florida and, and California somewhere. Right, right. You know, everywhere else is our uh, Arizona too. Yeah. Pretty much all you know the warm places, um, and then when those places are too hot in the summer, then people are peacing out somewhere else where it's kind of you know decently cool. Um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've you know I've been to I've played in Europe, I played in Asia played in Africa. Nice. So, you know, it's kind of been, uh, you know, you, yeah, depending on the seasons and what tournaments are going on and, and you know, what are you getting call, calls for, then you just kind of you just follow that. Sure, sure. Nice, man, nice. Well, what's up next for you, man? Because you, you've given us, uh, you know, you, you took us on a journey, man, and I appreciate it, man, and it, it, a fascinating journey it is. But what's, what, what's up next for you? Or what are you doing yeah. now? Yeah, so right now, um, you know, I'm I'm working with an investment group okay. uh, back in Philly. Um, you know, so I, I kind of got fortunate. Whereas my my boss is um, is uh, you know he's just getting into polo. So um, he and I are playing some polo together, and then at the same time, I'm I'm working for uh, his uh, his investment group that he has going on there. So okay. I'm kind of getting my you know my feet wet with some of that you know stuff and and uh, trying to learn that world. Um, and I'm still, and I'm still competing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, you know, with the, uh, the program I started with, you know, uh, and just kind of giving back to the kids, you know, where I first learned to ride. Um, and, you know, and eventually I think I'm going to go back and get my MBA. Nice. Um, you know, it's something else that I want to do. Um, and, you know, and as far, you know, as long as I can, I'm going to continue to just keep playing polo. Um, you know, cause I, you know, it, it's a, it's, it's a, it, you know, it's giving me all these opportunities, you know, and giving the opportunity to connect with you right. and, and then kind of, you know, just doing what I'm doing now. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to stay involved as much as I can. But right now I'm kind of focusing on, you know, uh, making some money in a different part of, you know, in a, <laughs> a different set, in a different uh, sector. Again, like I said, you know, polo, is, it, it's good. It, it works out for you, you know. Um, but it's not always guaranteed. Right. No, absolutely. And if there's one thing that we that we need, I mean, I mean, truthfully, there's there's really no such thing as a guarantee. But I think when we think about um, life sustainability and being able to take care of ourselves immediately and long term. Right. We, we need something that is as close to a guarantee as possible. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's why, you know, I got I got an education and you know, I went to go get a job. And, that's right. Uh, you know, and so, like you said, I think, you know, I have, you know, my, my chances of, uh, you know, keeping a job in, you know, in the corporate world is a lot, you know, yeah. um, it's a lot easier or, you know, more promising than trying to you know, consistently, you know, um, you know, keep a polo job. No, no, I dig it, man. That, that, that you, you're absolutely right, man. And, and I want to tell you, man, that the truth is, is that you're doing something exceptionally well, man. And that is, uh, inspiring, you know, the, the, the younger generation, the, the generation that's behind you, the youth that are coming up, not just in Philadelphia, but 
in inner city communities all over the country. You know what I mean? And and, right. and you are, uh, your life is a testament that, you know, for one, like we said earlier, you don't have to be, um, you know, just because you're from the streets don't mean that you have to be of the streets for one. And for two, if you set your goals and you work towards them, you can certainly achieve them. And there's nothing that's, that's out of range. You just have to be willing to make the sacrifice and put in the hard work to, to, to get to achieving the goal, man. And, and I, you know, I definitely appreciate you for that, man. You, you are an awesome uh, inspiration, man. So, man, I, you know, I, I know we're going to get ready to wrap up now, man, because you know, these, these conversations, they, yeah. you know, we, we, we get to them. And then before you know it, the time frame. Yeah, right. you start them and you like you look up, you like, oh shit, man! Look how <laughs> the yeah, time yeah, went by quick, I, man. Uh, no, that's that's never that's never a bad thing, no. But no, man, there's there's a lot to share, you know. No, absolutely, man. And and like I said, man, we we appreciate it. Let me um, I I want to I want to be able to 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 give some information or want you to be able to give information about that program that that you're involved with now, the program that you came up in, because if people. If <clears throat> excuse me, if our listeners are um, are listening, they happy to be in the Philadelphia area. Where can they find you if they're interested in 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 bringing their children, or they might just be interested in learning how to ride and and interested in the sport of polo? Where could they find you at? What's the name of that program? I guess the program is called Work to Ride. Work to Ride. Oh so, yeah, and it's located in Fairmont Park in, in Philly. Um, so yeah, definitely look it up. You know where, yeah, you know it's it offers a riding camp, you know, uh, riding lessons. Um, you know, uh, you know they're always accepting kids into the program, but kids kind of got to be from the Philly area, okay? Or they have to be from the Philly area. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that, that's that's the program. Um, it's a nonprofit. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know it's just basically the, the program mission is to you know help disadvantaged you know inner city youth um you know just you know give them an opportunity that they would never have and you know that's what it's given me sure um, and you know i've been able to kind of just do things that you know you know a lot of people dream of and and uh you know and a lot of people don't even get a chance to ever see in life so no absolutely uh, man you know it's uh <laughs> it's a great program it's called work to ride look it up you know uh you know it's it's uh it's, it's incredible. Um, it's amazing what, you know, Leslie Heiner, the founder, what she's done with the program and, you know, and uh, it, it's nothing but good stuff. So definitely check it out if, they, if you get the opportunity to do that. So let me ask you this and, and, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, man. Work to Ride, is it is it just a is it a, a local program or, or do you and if it's if or is it a national program? And if it's not a national program, do you know of any national programs that exist? And right. then it could no. just be equestrian programs. It doesn't necessarily have to be polo. But the reason why I'm asking, man, is because there's a lot of I think that, you know, as children, um, you know, kids are naturally, um, you know, excited about horses. Right. But unfortunately, in, in, in certain communities, there's no accessibility there. Right. right. So perhaps even if it's just to have the experience of riding, perhaps there might be a national program. And if it's not, it's not, but you know, I just figured I'd ask you. Right. No, that's, that's fine. No, it's, it's a local program. So basically 
And the only reason why it's a local program because it, the the program takes it takes kids from ages from eight to like basically until you graduate high school. Okay. Um, and the idea is that you're expected to be there, you know, a few days a week. Um, you know, you're participating every Saturday in the program, like taking you know taking care of the horses and and we're just participating in a lot of things that are going on. Right. Um, and, and then if you're if you're in, you know in a different state or another side of the country, you can't kind of do that stuff. So that's why it's sort of it's more of a local thing. But to answer your question about do I know of any national programs? Not really, but I know you know there's I think there's uh, there's some stuff in in LA. Um, uh, I'm trying to think where else. Uh, I think there's some stuff in DC that are kind of trying to they're trying to do. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know of any other. We're we're pretty much the only program of our kind as far as offering the kind of the whole equestrian thing of you know to inner city youth, you know, at a free cost, right. uh, you know, playing polo. You know, we're we're we're, we're it. You know, that's pretty much uh, it's it's us. No, that that's all good, man. But I think the conversation has definitely given people. You know, if they're interested, it, it it's it sparked some interest in them. And now we live in this Google era. So people just get on Google and just, you know, see if there might be a program that exists within your city or your area. You know what I mean? Yo, Kareem, man, this has been a pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you, homie, for everything that you're doing, man. You are no, definitely. Thank you for having me, man. No, no, it's, it's, it's all good, man. And um, you, you are a testimony to what can be with just some hard work and diligence and some focus, man. So, uh, you know, thank you, man. Let, let the people know where they can find you on social media. No, I mean, you can, you can find me on my Instagram is Kareem Rosser. Just my name. Um, you know, my last name is R O S S E R Kareem K A R E E M. That's my Instagram. My Twitter is the same thing. I'm not much of a tweeting fan, but uh, you know I'll be on I'll be on Instagram, uh, you know, a little, and then yeah, uh, yeah. you know, on my Facebook, Kareem Ross, I'm there too, so I could be found there. Um, no, definitely, uh, you know, come you know, see what I'm up to. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always somewhere traveling or different parts of the world playing polo. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I I love to share what I'm doing and. And, uh, you know, so I can I can be found on, on those uh, on those uh, sites there. Dope, dope. So, yo, man, listen, um, man, again, man, we we, we appreciate your time. And um, as I always say at the end of these conversations, man, our platform is your platform. So whenever you got anything new going on, if you want to announce a new initiative, if uh, perhaps you have a wonderful opportunity that's uh that that you know presents itself either here in the states or abroad um you know for you to showcase your polo skills perhaps you're going to be competing at a at a at a on a large you know on a higher level or at whatever level man let us know man so that we could we could be a part of that process of getting the information out there to the people man no certainly i appreciate it man y'all Y'all take care, and then you know, I look forward to you know to talking to y'all again about something else. And you know, again, I'm always and I'm always trying to share my story, inspire others, and you know, let people know you can really do whatever you put your mind to. You know, there, there, you know, there, yeah, there are setbacks in life, but you know, just be resilient. You know, and that's just something I've always preached. You know, to myself and to you know others around me. So definitely, you know, just. Put your mind to whatever you want to do and just go do it and be different, you know, and that's that's another thing is, you know, just don't worry, you know, don't 
don't try to hop on all these waves and what's going on. They'll be different, you know, create your own path, you know, uh, you know, and this, you know, having people, you know, just wanting to do what you're doing in a way that's something good and inspiring, you know, and that's something that you know, I've always stuck to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listeners, you, you know, the best part of falling down is that you could get back up. So yeah. listeners, you know what it is. The Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend, TCOHHL Radio, kicking it with the homie Kareem Rosser. Y'all hold tight. Y'all will be right back. <laughs> 